7 Studios. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios. So one of the most interesting lessons I learned in, in my life, this is about 13 years ago, back in 2010, 2011-ish. I had been sick with Lyme disease. And I talk about my battle with Lyme disease on the, on the show pretty frequently. It's not a past tense battle. I still have Lyme disease. It's, it's basically incurable. It's a, it's a chronic condition. Just like being a diabetic, just like having hypertension, just like cancer. And you get up and you fight every day and, and you try to win the victory. And I win the victory probably nine out of ten days. Some days I lose. But I was really, really sick. Um, spent a year and a half, almost two years, basically unable to walk, unable to drive. The The fatigue is is suffocating. The chronic pain is is sometimes unbearable. And then you get into the do you do you want to be on a carousel of medications, which which I did. And my body didn't react well to being on seven medications. All of those meds have an adverse impact on on your GI tract. So I had yeast overgrowth in, in, in my stomach and in my esophagus. It was a very difficult thing that I went through and, and I'm just very blessed. My, my doctor told me many years ago that I'd never walk again without a cane. And I was able to move forward with my life. But I remember I had been really, really sick at my, my worst point and was starting to get better, was getting treated. And I went to Dr. Singleton in, in Towson, Maryland. Dr. Kenny Singleton saved my life. I would not be here if not for Kenny Singleton. And my mother, my late mother, who would not let me give up when, when I was at my worst. We didn't know what was going on with me. My, my health kind of took a sudden turn. You know, I was playing basketball and coaching and, and going out running every day. And, and within, I don't know, eight weeks was, was bedridden. I remember when I was able to drive again. And Lyme disease, for me, I have uh, Bartonella which is uh, another form of a, a tick infestation. I got the same time I got Lyme disease. And Bartonella messes with my uh, vestibular, messes with my balance. A lot of people, I don't do public speaking as much as I used to because I can't stand up on stage because of the balance. If I'm somewhere in a room where there's really, really bright lights, it's tough for me to stand. I can sit, which is why I can call sports. But if I had to call sports standing, I would not be able to do that. So I avoid places that have bright overhead lights and I have, and I avoid places where I have to stand. So I had this disequilibrium and because of that could not drive. I couldn't drive for like a year and a half. So I had this beautiful, I had this Range Rover and couldn't drive it, which is another conversation for another day that shows that we, we talk about material things and look, I love, I love my Gucci shoes and, and I love my whips and, and I love my jewelry and, and my watches. But at the end of the day, that stuff doesn't matter. I'm learning that the older I get. You know, when I was younger and dumber, I thought that those things define me. The older I get, I realize that it's your family, it's your loved ones. It's my wife, it's my beautiful wife that defines me. And the relationship with my dad and my grandmother, that's what, that's what matters. This other stuff doesn't matter. 
if you're a Christian like me, you believe it's all going to burn anyway. But I'll go back to my story. I remember being in Dayton, Ohio. I was feeling good enough to finally drive one day. And I hadn't driven in, in, in well over a year. And I was feeling good. I'd been taking some treatments. I was showing marked improvement. And I decided to go on a little drive. I went, I went down to, to the Dayton Mall. I wasn't going to go in. But I just drove down there. And my car had been sitting in, in, in the parking lot for, for months. And I remember as I was going through to the Dayton Mall, it was spring. It was maybe seven, it was the first 75-degree day. It's very cold in Ohio in the winter. I had spent most of that winter in, in the house not eating, barely clinging to life. I remember going to, to, the, to the Dayton Mall, and as I was driving into the intersection with 741, which is a, a state road in Ohio, kind of a big artery, what I saw is that everything was the same. Cars were still riding by and whizzing by. People were, people were in rush hour traffic. People were going to the mall. People were taking their kids places. Nothing had changed in, in a year and a half since I was able to drive to that spot. I was sick 24 hours a day, unable to keep any food down, losing weight, in chronic pain, not knowing if I was going to survive or not, not knowing if I was ever going to walk normal again, begging God for mercy. My mother was coming up, taking me to my doctor's appointments. I was suffering. But the world was still going on all of this time. The world did not stop because James Lewis was suffering. And that was, a, that was a turning point in my life because I realized that I'm just one person. And whatever good I'm trying to do, whatever success I think that I have, whatever impact I, I think I have on my sphere of influence, whether it's my church, my school, my alma mater, the company that I work for, the, the company that I keep, the kids that I mentored, with or without me, those things were going to go on. The sun was still going to come up. Even if I was not on this planet, the sun is going to come up tomorrow. People are going to get up. They're going to, they're going to sit in rush hour traffic to go to work. They're going to work 10 hours a day. They're going to come back to their loved ones. They're going to watch TV and they're going to eat dinner. They're going to spend as much time with their, their family and children as possible. And I realized that, you know, as the only child and, and someone else spoiled growing up, that the world didn't revolve around me. And we all kind of secretly think that the world revolves around us. And that was my point where I realized the world does not revolve around me. Well, I was inspired this weekend because I heard someone having a very similar conversation about death. And, and I've been mourning the death of my mother. We're at, the, we're at the one year point. Halloween is the anniversary of her funeral. So every Halloween, I always think about my mother and her passing and, and how she died so suddenly of, of COVID and how I spent so much time in the hospital talking to her and singing to her while she was on a ventilator. I lived that nightmare. And I wanted to talk about, about death and how, and how life goes on, and I've gotten so much perspective a year later. I talked about my grandmother and how I thought after my, my granddad and mother passed away that it was my assignment to really take care of her. And, and what I realized is that my grandmother has been taking care of me. But I was reading excuse me, I was listening to something online over the weekend. And this, this was a guy from, um, I believe, Nigeria. It was talking about death. 
and how the world moves on and how after you die, because we're all going to die one day, your, your closest family, your, your, the people that you talk to every day, your immediate family, they're going to mourn you for a long time. But over the years, they're going to die. And over the years, people who are not your immediate family, your friends or people that you hung out with, people that you went to the bar with, people you went to games with, the people you went to church with, the people that you work with, they're going to mourn you, but not for long. I knew a guy that was an executive that passed away suddenly of of a heart attack. And the company put up this tribute to him of how great of a man he was. And within three days, they had his job posted on LinkedIn. True story. The world goes on. The sun still comes up. So when you die, you're, you're, if you're still working, if you're not retired, I hope that I die. I hope that Lance J dies in his 80s, 90s. I've been retired for a long time. I watched my grandfather was retired for 30 years before he passed away. And he was eating good and living good. And I was taking him to get some ice cream. And, and we were living it up until the last six months of his life. But if you die and you're in your 50s or 60s, they will post your job description on LinkedIn within a week. Your friends, they'll hashtag you, especially the first year after your death. They'll throw a picture up and say, rest in peace. Great guy, great gal. But five years later, many of them will have moved on. Your name will come up in a random conversation. But people move on. It's, it's, it's within our nature. It's not a knock on people. We have to move on. I had to move on. I, I mourned my mother, but I had to move on. I came to a point where either I'm moving forward or I'm going into the ground too. So we have to move on as human beings. We have to find other tasks. We have to find the meaning of life. We have to find the meaning of, of the universe or, or God or Allah or Buddha, whatever you believe in. So it's human nature to move forward. We can't stay stuck in neutral. But ultimately, we all move on. Ultimately, the world still goes on with or without us. So if that's the case, why are we so worried about what other people think about us? Why are we so worried about what other people think about what we drive or, or what we wear or where we live or what our house looks like? Or our relationships, who the company that we keep, our selection for career, our selection for religion. Why do we care so much? Why do we live for people that ultimately are going through the same journey into death that, that we're going through? Why do we work so hard and why do we put our souls out there for companies that would post our jobs on LinkedIn within five business days of our passing? And I saw something on, on the web that was talking about that just really inspired me. Um, you have to live for yourself. Don't live for somebody else. Don't live for your company. Don't live for your parents. Don't live for your kids. You build a life with your spouse, but you have to live for yourself because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. And at the end, when our time is up, when Lance J's time's up, I want it to be able to be said 
that I lived within the construct of my relationship with Christ. I made decisions. I took risks. But I didn't live someone's life that, that they had planned for me. I wasn't worried about what people thought about me. I went out and did what was best for myself and my family. I had experiences. I had wins. I had losses. I learned, but I lived my life because it's my life and it's your life. Lance J Show. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. I love guns, just for the record. I'm all over the, the map today. I, I love guns. One thing about me, a lot of people don't know. Um, if you see me in Nashville, there is a 99.9% chance that I'm armed. Because in, in Nashville and in Tennessee, you can you can carry concealed. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmo Squad. I always got the toast on me. I'm not a thug. I live in a gated community. I'm not trying to be a tough guy, but I, but I always have a gun on me. I always have a burner on me all the time because it's legal. It's my right as an American to, got the, to, to have the strap. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network. Matthew, Little Caesars is now the official pizza of the NFL. Let's hear it. Pizza, pizza. Again. Pizza, pizza. Pizza, pizza. No! Pizza, pizza! We're ready! Enjoy game day with a fanceroni pepperoni with over 100 old world pepperonis. Pizza, pizza. Episource serves Medicare, commercial, and Medicaid plans with a team of risk adjustment experts who deeply understand the complexities of every facet of healthcare. We partner with our health plan and healthcare clients to emphasize transparency and trust to truly become a valuable extension of their team at every step of the way from outreach, medical record retrieval, coding to final delivery. With the most significant health plans and healthcare organizations as clients, we aim to obtain the best medical chart retrieval rates, the highest coding accuracy and the maximum level of project satisfaction. For more information, go to www.episource.com and schedule a demonstration.